0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Dairy Pot. I'm Rory MacDonald from the Dairy Australia Farm Team. We all know that irrigation water is a valuable resource for dairy farms and making every drop count is vital to maintaining a successful farm business. Bega irrigator Will Russell is a young dairy farmer who is determined to maximise the return from his irrigated water resources. Will is part of the Smarter Irrigation for Profit 2 project, known as SIP2, which is delivering innovative ways to optimise pasture and crop yield. With irrigation scheduling and soil moisture monitoring such important aspects of maximising irrigation efficiency, Will sat down with SIP2 coordinator Kim Revington to discuss how he's getting more bang for his buck for the 500 megalitres he uses on his farm each year.
1: G'day Will, I have- Thanks for joining us on DairyPod today. Look, we might just um, kick off with, if you could just tell us a little bit about your farm and, you know, your, your different systems that you've got on, on your farm.
2: Our farm is in the Bega Valley, um, where we milk on 125 hectares of milking platform. We milk 300 mostly Illawarra cows. Um, we are an irrigation farm with 110 hectares of irrigation, uh, we pump out of the, the Beega Brogo River, which is a regulated river system um, with a, a 9,000 megalitre dam at the at the top of it. We we're a grazing dairy farm with with I suppose a, a kaike base um, with annual ryegrass and oats sown sown through it. Um, for for about half of our milking platform, and the the other half is um, sort of alluvial river flats where we where we grow uh, corn, lucerne, and um, permanent uh, ryegrass pastures.
1: And do you have those in any sort of particular rotation, or do you, do you have a regular rotation that you have those in?
2: Yeah, we um, over the last couple of years we we've, we've sort of been setting up more of a um, a set rotation where we have a, a 18 hectare sort of uh, feed block where we we do three years of corn and three years of lucerne on it, and 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 rotate that um, nine hectares at a time. Um, but on, on the main grazing platform, we we yeah pretty much have a, a grazing rotation of of the the ryegrass pastures. Um, across across most of it and we yeah we sometimes uh, put a crop of maize in to re- rejuvenate a paddock if it needs it um, and try and trying to get a, a a set pattern to to how we do that maybe a, a four year rotation on the river flats with that um, with that maize crop
1: i know you've got a few different types of um, irrigation systems on the farm that sort of, I guess, tying with your, your different soil types that you were just describing. Um, do you want to run us, give us a, a, a bit of a an overview of those?
2: Yeah, so um, we have four different types of um, irrigation system across the farm, and yeah, like you said, our, our farm is is really split into two different, really distinct soil types. So you've got your um about 50 hectares of river flats um that's uh very rich soil uh maybe with a roar of um uh, 30 mils um 30 to 35 mils uh, for a perennial pasture and i'll just quickly sort of explain what raw is
1: uh just for those who aren't uh, familiar with it um, raw refers to the readily available water uh, it's a term that's used to sort of explain how much water is within the effective root zone of the pasture or the crop, so how much water is available within that root zone that can be easily extracted by the plants. Um, The amount of raw varies according to the the soil type that you've got, um, as well as the, the actual rooting depth of your pasture or your crop. Um, and by keeping the, the crops or the pastures within this uh, raw zone, you, you're really optimizing the growth of, of, the, of the pasture. Um, so effectively gives you a, a refill line and a, a full um, kind of point on um, to sort of see how uh, dry or moist your, your soils are. Yeah, so you were saying, sorry, that the raw the raw on the river flats is. You know, it's a it's a bit bigger, so you, they can hold a bit more water in the root zone down on the flats, as opposed to the other parts of your farm.
2: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So, um, yeah, our river flats, yeah, about that thirty to thirty-five mils of um, of raw, and then on the the other sixty hectares, uh, which is on our on our hills, which um, is like a granite base sandy loam sort of soil. It's it's got, uh, well, we worked it out to be um, 17 mils of of raw. So it's a lot, a lot less um, water holding capacity. So with our irrigation system, it sort of it leads to different management um, techniques to to try and get the most out of the out of um, our ryegrass plants on on that 60 hectares.
1: As part of the, the Smarter Irrigation for Profit 2 project. Um, the optimised site is under your 25 hectare pivot. What technologies um, have you found most useful that, we're, that we've sort of deployed as part of this project?
2: With the project, we've um, put in uh, quite a few soil moisture probes under different parts of the of the pivot in um, in the sort of uh, one in one in the gully, one right up the top of the hills, and one in the more average sort of part of the pivot. And um, with that, we've really been able to pin down when we're getting our our soil moisture right. So with our pivot, it's a it's a a, a twelve mil pack system, which means it's capable of putting on twelve mils in a twenty four hour um, period and we we have found through through using these soil moisture probes that putting that 12 mils on um, across the two or three days um, that it um, with say eight hours a day of watering um, we can really get that soil moisture profile in in that in the happy spot right in that roar of 17 mils. We have um, different irrigation systems. We've we've got the pivot. Uh, Pivot there on the 25 hectares, but also uh, bike shift sprinkler irrigation on on another 25 hectares of of this same soil, and is really quite telling uh, with the bike shift uh, sprinklers uh, that you just can't easily manage the system to to keep the raw within that 17 mils. Like we find we we constantly. Uh, drawing the profile below the raw and really not getting the most out of our out of our ryegrass.
1: Bike shift is, um, you know, it is quite a difficult one to manage. I would expect, um, you know, just the the labour that goes into moving those sprinklers all the time when you're running it. Um, I guess if you were t- were trying to maintain that raw um, under the the bike shift, then you know uh you'd be looking at running and shifting the the bike shift a lot more and you know whether you've got the, the actual labor to do that or uh, that the actual cost of doing that may outweigh um, the extra past you you would grow
2: you're exactly right there kim um the the bike shift sprinkler system that that we have um if people don't know what it what it looks like in their heads it's it's pretty much a garden sprinkler on a three by three grid that takes um, nine days to get around the the, the area of it. Management-wise of it, it's it's um, a very labour-intensive um, system, and it takes about an an hour a day to shift it. And if, if you're only doing one shift a day, that takes you nine days to get across the um, across the area. So when you're looking at um, when you're looking at a raw of only 17 mils, you can easily get a, a string of hot summer days that would that would draw down that raw within say three to four days. So you really need to manage that system to get over the um the whole area within three to four days, and and that really takes a lot of labor, but a lot of a lot more management to be able to do that and. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone everyone knows on dairy farms you can't you can't do everything perfectly, and yeah, we seem to find that it it just the system is too hard to manage to to keep keep within that raw the whole time. Whereas when you look at the centre pivot, no labour, and you can put on that that twelve mils at a time. Um, it's just chalk and cheese, the two different systems, and and the whole sip uh, two project has really sort of, yeah, opened our eyes at probably the, the potential of maybe upgrading our, our bike shift um, sprinklers to, to something else because of the, um, the labour associated with it and, and the, um, the amount of grass we're sort of not growing because we have that system in place. We also have um, nine hectares of, of line pods that we just recently put in. That's on a, a six shift um, system which uh uh, as opposed to the nine shift um um, bike shift system uh and we find just just that difference of um getting over the ground in six shifts compared to nine it's a lot easier to manage Um, it's a lot easier to get over the whole whole area in it's it's possible to do in in three to four days if you do a double shift and it's a lot less labor intensive for the um for the amount of area you're covering, we are really, really liking that new K-line pod system as an alternative to the, to the bike shift system that, that our area is, is somewhat renowned for.
1: Um, and before you mentioned, um, you know the the soil moisture probes um, that were installed under the pivot, um, how have they helped your irrigation scheduling? Have, utilizing those, have they kind of made a change to your scheduling using the pivot?
2: I think it, um, it definitely has. It's probably changed the way we view um, our irrigation startup at, um, at the start of the season or um, after a, a wet period has started to dry out. In Begra, it can be any time of year that we start irrigating. Um, having those soil moisture probes really helped us in a very black and white fashion say that pasture needs moisture now and you know we need to do something about it and that's that's probably changed our our startup practices by by maybe one to two weeks of of getting that water on um yeah a, a bit earlier um, we could do things better as as everyone can but like this this last startup period we were probably we were probably still a week late, but at least we weren't three weeks late. <laughs> in, in August, a week late isn't nearly as detrimental to a week late in the middle of summer where, where you really can't catch up once that moisture deficit has started to get away from you. Certainly in August, coming out of winter, we, we found we were a week late, but within a week we had the whole farm wet. We were right in the, um, the raw zone, zone for our, our whole farm. Yeah, certainly the startup is one of the biggest things that we've we've changed and changed for the better, I believe. Looking at, you know,
1: because I've had the benefit of
2: looking at um, your soil moisture
1: data over the, the last year or two, um, I can see that you've allowed that soil moisture in the, sorry, the moisture in the soil to, to drop down to, um, you know, near or maybe just very Marginally below that refill point for your raw, in anticipation of rain. Um, so I, th- I thought that was that was an important part of your scheduling, so that the, there was plenty of room there in the soil for it to take up that that rainfall without actually impacting on your. The rainfall in the Bega Valley is notoriously fickle, and you know you can see these sort of rainfall events a week out, and they end up being fizzlers. Um, how do you sort of
2: manage for that? most of the time i I don't like to stop irrigating until until rain's on the ground. Um, but if if something if there's a weather event that really looks like it it is firming up to be to be the real deal, you probably can stop irrigating two to three days out and and hope for the best. it's it's a gamble. I mean, you can look at the weather forecasts and 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 try your best, but at the end of the day, thirty mils forecast three days out can turn into nothing, nor it can turn into a hundred mils in the in the big valley. It's it's you just never know what you're going to get really. With our irrigation systems, um, when we're we're really going for it in the spring and summer, I mean, there's always one part of the farm that might be at full profile, but another part of the farm might be um, getting down to to needing a water. Um, and wh- whenever that rainfall comes, it, it it brings everything back up to full. So yeah, you just take the good with the bad kind of thing.
1: Um, and under your pivot, during um, September through to February period, which is our main measurement period for the SIP2 project, under the pivot, you grew, um, you know, just a, a bit over 10 tonnes of dry matter per hectare. And the, the modelling shows you know, we we're pretty close to the 12 tons that was modeled. Do you have any ideas of any sort of slight tweaks you could make um, to sort of
2: reach that target? What we've been finding is we do grow all um grow a lot of grass in the spring and summertime here with, with our Kaiku and and yeah, ryegrass pastures planted in the autumn. The winter and early spring growth is probably some somewhere that we are trying to focus on more, so getting those pastures seeded earlier, sort of starting late February uh, into March, maybe even suppressing the um, suppressing the Q with a little bit of um, glyphosate, um, just to just to allow the the new seeds to get away. And where we've done that, we've found that those planted ryegrass and oats pastures get away quicker and they seem to be stronger going through winter. And then when it comes to spring, it seems like they're always firing a bit earlier and a bit, there's, there's a bit more bulk to them through that early spring um, going into summer period. So for us, uh, yeah, I think it's focusing on the, the winter growth that will then transfer into, yeah, sort of s- strong early spring, uh, spring growth. Cause yeah, having that um, establishment,
1: before it starts getting cooler if you you know having your pastures sort of um, already strongly growing before the the cooler months come along, and then um, they'll be ready and rearing to go in springtime to sort of really kick things along a bit earlier.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. The um, like right now we're we're late August um, here, and yeah, going around the paddocks the the paddocks that we seeded first week or two of March, compared to the paddocks we seeded in April, they just seem like chalk and cheese right at the minute. How we manage that in the future, whether, whether we um yeah shorten up our, our seeding times um, to get all our yeah, autumn sowing done, at least by the end of April, because uh, we went into May this year with, with a lot of wet weather in the Eagle Valley. But yeah, just, just trying to get those seeding times as early as possible while still having a, a grazing rotation um in that period to to keep graze feed in the cows uh, yeah, yeah that, that's what we're trying to focus on in the coming years
1: um, so earlier in the piece you said you know the you get uh the the irrigation water from the bigger brogo system river system which is a regulated system um how does I guess, how much is um, the cost per megalitre and, and sort of how how is your allocation set and uh, how do you manage that?
2: We have both uh, general and high security water out of the Brogo River. Um, and what we find um, on our particular system is our general is usually, at the start of the year, allocated to, to 40% um, uh, because... The, our, our dam which which is a pretty small dam comparison to the rest of New South Wales and I'm sure um, other parts of the country um, it's it's over allocated for for its size and it relies on uh, flows within the within the 12 months of the year to to top it up and hence give the irrigators an additional um, allocation to that forty percent. If we can get fifty percent general allocation, that seems to be about about average for us. So working on on a fifty percent general security allocation, we sort of um, we sort of look at about uh, fifty dollars a meg's a meg in fixed costs from uh, Water New South Wales, and then an additional about twenty five dollars for usage per meg. So that that's yeah around the seventy five dollars a meg yeah that we sort of calculate a meg of water is to to have that and use it and then in addition to that um, yeah you've obviously got your yeah, energy costs to to pump it and and the labour and machinery use
1: while the dam has got good flows going into it and uh, when it spills over the dam wall how how does that impact your
2: allocation that's a really good point actually the what we've found with with starting up earlier that those one to two weeks earlier we we're more likely to to catch those supplementary um and uncontrolled flow events and so um yeah by going earlier we we find we uh yeah we we can sort of use more megs that are just just flowing out to sea and turning into salt water, um, yeah, we, we can use more more megs than our than our original forty uh, percent general allocation because because they're supplementary flows and come off our supplementary license or on our uncontrolled flow um, license. So yeah, it's sort of a by starting up earlier, there's there's that benefit as well. The the price of uh, energy to, to pump our water seems to be around the, the $50 a meg, and adding up all, all the costs of, of, of the water, of the electricity and the, and the labor and the, um, and the infrastructure we use to, to pump it out. Yeah, I, I can't see um, us using a mega water for under $200 a meg. I, I don't know how that relates to other places in the country, but if water's $200 a meg to, to get it on the ground, uh, we really want to have pastures and crops in that that will really make the most of that that megaliter of water. Um, corn, I think uh, i've I've read has a has a four to one um, dry matter a mega water um, sort of growth rate. so you so you're looking at um, yeah, diluting the 200 dollars a a megalitre down to Fifty dollars a dry matter ton. If you put it on corn, uh, Loosen I think is a two-to-one ratio from what I've read. So we find having the the different mixes of crops and 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 pastures means we can, if if water's tight and we yeah we think we need to really focus the water on high, highly water efficient crops. Uh, we've got that option too with our with our farming system by having that that corn always in the mix and the lucerne always in the mix. And we, we found we did that in, in the drought two years ago. We really focused the water on on our corn and lucerne and, and, and under our pivot because our pivot's the sort of the most efficient um, infrastructure we have. One of the field days we had back in March,
1: uh, you sort of um, highlighted and, and sort of shared some of your work that you'd done where you'd essentially sort of monitored um, soil moisture, dry matter production and, and some of the power usages that you were just talking about um, across your other irrigation platforms and sort of did a bit of a, a cost breakdown of those. Um, are you able to sort of talk about those a little bit for us?
2: We, we talked a bit about um, three of the systems we, we have in us our center pivot sprinklers and K line, which um, which all use the same uh, system to run, and um, we found that be, because that system has restricted main lines uh, going to uh, to each of the systems by only using six inch main lines instead of eight inch main lines. Yeah, our power use was was higher than it should have been. Well, higher than it it. Could be if um, if our underground mains were upsized, but across all our systems, we we seem to find that around that two hundred dollars a meg is, is is fairly consistent. Because um, each of our systems has good points and bad points um, with either labour or um, using machinery to shift it, or the the capital cost of putting in a centre pivot. They all seem to to come out, yeah. Between that, say, yeah, 150 to 200 dollars a meg, um, around that sort of ballpark. And that the other system that we have over 50 hectares of our of our farm is is hard hoses. When you think of hard hoses, you think of high pressure and yeah, labour cost, machinery cost to shift them. But we, yeah, we found that it was very comparable to comparable to our other systems because the main lines were were bigger it's it's got an eight inch mainline to that system instead of a six and it also does doesn't have um, the the elevation difference uh, because it's on the river flats it's it's virtually um, no vertical vertical head um, to it uh, whereas the 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 um, the irrigation on the hills, it has to go up to uh, 30 to 40 meters of, of vertical head to actually get the water out. So, yeah, we so after all the analysis, we found that they all sort of came in around um, yeah to just below that $200 a, a mega I know
1: your your pivot is fairly old, like she's an oldie but a goodie for sure. But um, do you have any plans of up Grading those main lines up to the pivot and, and your other irrigation um, or is that something that you're going to sort of contemplate you know if and when the, the pivot dies
2: yeah so I, the, the good thing about the project it it's sort of given us two or three ideas where we can spend money to really make an improvement to either the electricity costs by, by upgrading the mains or change our um our sprinkler packs to be slightly lower pressure to help our uniformity across the whole pivot. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where there's lots of things on a dairy farm that's that are sort of pulling you towards um, investing in. And I'd say in the next, uh, yeah, at, at least in the next five years, we'll be looking at spending a bit more money on on our irrigation, and hopefully we don't have to. Um, upgrade the full pivot uh, anytime soon but it is it is about 20 years old and a lot of the other pivots in the district have already been upgraded but it seems to still be in a pretty good state for us so um, we'll just use it until it really starts to you know if, if it starts breaking down and really costing us in in terms of yeah not being able to irrigate when we need it to we will definitely um, look at yeah, upgrading the whole thing, but yeah, we're hoping to get another five years out of it. And yeah, we'd, we'd probably be more likely to spend money on, on upgrading our main lines to, to something bigger, um, to say a, a 10 inch main line um, coming up at least part of the way to the pivot to, yeah, both reduce the, the um, friction loss and the energy costs also yeah, that could potentially let us irrigate with a few a few of our irrigation systems at once. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things that I, I don't think anyone would have a perfect irrigation system. It's just um, it's just knowing the things that you could do to in, improve it that little bit more each time, and just keep on chipping away at yeah either either reducing your costs or having a pumping system that can you know pump more megs a day for you. Um, yeah there's lots of things where you can spend spend money on it's just sort of prioritizing prioritizing where you um, where your next bottleneck is and and sort of fixing it and then moving on
1: uh, well thanks very much will um, thanks for running us through your farm and your irrigation systems and I think you've, you've done some great work there so um, yeah thanks for today
2: yeah no, thank you Kim and um, yeah no it's been great to be a part of the project and just to To learn all the ins and outs of yeah all our different um irrigation systems and yeah seeing where we can improve Uh, thank you for the for the podcast
0: thanks to will and kim for that fascinating chat which should have provided any irrigators out there with plenty of food for thought on how to better utilize their water the smarter irrigation for profit 2 project is part of dairy australia's commitment to inspiring more agile and responsive dairy businesses through greater integration of technology and data a big part of that commitment is delivering innovative ways to optimise pasture and crop yield potential from irrigation through the sip 2 project. The project is supported by funding from the Australian Government's Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment as part of its Rural R&D for Profit programme and Dairy Australia. For the latest tools, resources and information from the sip 2 project visit dairyaustralia.com.au forward slash 2 Well that's it for this episode. As always, you can find other Dairy Pod episodes whenever you subscribe to your favourite podcasts. Thanks for listening and bye for now.